Hey, 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 Sunday morning. And uh, there's some weird stuff going on in the sky. It's uh, 7.53 in the morning, Sunday morning, Labor Day weekend. And uh, I got Bud here. Bud's a constant. He would... We do these walks because Bud needs to walk. He likes his walks. It's good for him. Hell, you know. I just had to put the leash on the Bud. A little bit of air conditioning still going on. It's 83 degrees here in Arizona. And there's some kind of particulates. Yeah, that's the, what a word, particulates in the air. The sun's out, but it's looking out. There's like something in the air. I'm not sure what it is. But it, uh, it's, uh, it's not a cloud. It's a funky, it's like a dust storm in the morning. We, we usually get these haboobs, they call them, where the, just a big wall of dust comes in. But this is a, a very odd effect. I've not seen it here. So I can, uh, normally I can look out to the south and see some mountains in a big area, and I can see the sun shining on a mountain, and there's... Um, what would you call it? Uh, the mountain's not, uh, it's got different surfaces and so you have shadows. And it's a pretty look. It's a very attractive look and it's just blocked off right now. So there you go. That's the surroundings for this podcast. So the sun is still shining over my left shoulder in the back of me as Bud and I walk towards the south, towards the dust or whatever that happens to be. And we're doing our normal walk. It's uh, it's a walk down the street. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've I went about I went about ten days with no podcast. Now I think this is my my third in two days, second or third in two days. So yeah, I guess it's a moody thing. And I I was uh, early this morning. I was watching uh, Peter Rollins video. He's an Irish guy that um, hangs out with Rob Bell a bit, uh, Irish philosopher. He's hard to understand sometimes with the accent, but uh, yeah, he's, I just checked out his website too. It's a pretty impressive uh, thing. He's been doing this for 10 years or more, and uh, he's a speaker, writer, philosophizer. Interesting guy. And he said something really funny that reminded me of the podcast is that he says as a speaker, he's, he's really speaking to himself. And then that, that uh, connected with me is that's kind of what I'm doing too, right? I'm just talking and speaking. I am not trying to uh, sell anything, right? I'm not trying to influence you in any way. I'm just talking. And I'm playing around, I guess. I'm playing with podcasting just to see. I mean, some people have told me, like, oh, your voice is is a good voice for the radio. So, and, and I'm just using these really super cheap, thin iPhone um, earbuds with a microphone as I walk down the street. So, I guess if it sounds good on here then it would probably be really good on a 
professional microphone in studio and if I actually wrote out a plan of attack or something or planned subjects of, uh, of what we are going to talk about or what I'm going to talk about. I'm talking to myself though, right? So yesterday I did, I don't know, I probably I, I, uh, had a punchline and I, I talked around it, talked around it and then came back to it at the end. I mean, that was obviously unscripted. But there's sort of a natural flow there that came because I knew where I was, you know, I, I can see where I'm walking. You, can, you can't do that. I mean, you probably can tell that my walk takes about 30 minutes. So, but I, I have a visual sign by walking, right? So I, I, one thing unique about the podcast is, is I'm actually moving, right? So most speakers stand up in front of a group of people and they get feedback. They look at people's faces and they get body language and they can see if they're connecting with people and if there's any kind of life out there in front of, in front of them as they speak. But as a speaker, you probably just, I th- and I think that's what's interesting about Pete Rollins is when he commented that really he's standing up in front of these people and he's really talking to himself. It's not a dialogue when you give a 20, 30 minute speak, right? speech, right? You're, it's, you plan to say something. And what's interesting is how, how much energy is put into preparing, right? I, I can imagine, especially in the religious communities I've been in, and uh, that how, that preparing a sermon, right, is, you know, intense, right? So, so um, people will sit down and study a text and get commentaries or whatever they do. And, and yet here I am, this is 30 minute sermon um, message that I hope is uplifting and encouraging to the listener. And yet I do zero preparation <laughs> or, or I shouldn't say that I should, this is where it's just coming from my heart. Right? So I have done preparation. God's alive. And we talk about this living God, he's the living God. And so uh, what's what's fun about Pete Rollins and some of these? He's he's kind of a goofy thinker, and and it, and it's tempting. I mean, as I'm older now, I'm over 50, so I can listen to a guy like this, and I'm like, it's not new to me. I mean, everybody. It's, what's cool is so many people have different um, skills or experiences and ways of articulating things, right, and communicating. So, um, you know, I like this John Ortberg guy. He's He's been meaningful to me. Some, he's not perfect either. I mean, there's some things I don't exactly agree with him on, but it's not that important because most of the stuff I do, and that's where the black slice, the black slice of life is important. So I think John has got a black slice. Even Pete Rollins, I'm thinking, well, where's his black slice? You know, I'm not, I don't need to dive into it. But, um, we all have a black slice, and that's okay because we're we're living, we're human, part of the experience. And um, yeah, so I'm talking to myself, but a prepared sermon message over a text of scripture, you know, getting it accurately, and that's what these preachers put pressure on themselves to do every Sunday. Today's Sunday, so I'll probably. I'll go listen to one, and it's going to be from Genesis, and it's going to be, 
about probably, I don't know, Noah maybe? Sodom and Gomorrah? I don't know. I think that's where we're like in Genesis 5 or 6. Depends on what the the minister wants to do. See, that's the other thing that's um, a change in my life is taking responsibility for my own uh, intake of Scripture, right? So if, if all I did is and I've done, I think many of us are tempted to do this, it's just, well, we, we go on Sunday and get our spiritual input on Sunday, and maybe we go to a small group session during the week, but it's all on someone else's agenda, especially the sermon. So the sermon is the minister's agenda, and he sweats and toils and, you know, uh, even this week when I talked to a pastor, he's like, well, yeah, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. I forgot what day it is, but it's like, well, this day is when I do sermon preparation, right? So, <laughs> so, so the guy's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and work on a, unfortunately, this guy works on a 40 minute. Maybe he's happy if he gets to 38, 37, and we all want it to be more like 28, 30 minutes. But the point is, is like the guy, oh, these guys have this pressure on themselves to prepare this awesome message. So he looks at the text and says, well, I got to do Genesis 5. So what's in Genesis 5? So let me do that because I'm doing this year and a half long thing on Genesis, you know. And I'm already for Joseph, which is like the last 10 chapters because Joseph's my favorite dude. But, you know, I'll learn. I'll go through Abraham. And coincidentally, Pete Rollins even talked about it. Abraham and sacrificing Isaac in one of his videos. He didn't, I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? So is that, how do you interpret that? Is that, is that a, um, a great story? It's really puzzling, right? Because like God asked Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac. And uh, how do we think about that? And I don't know if Pete Rollins talked about this, but it's kind of like Abraham was a zealot. I mean, he's like, okay, God asked me to do this, I'll go do it. And it doesn't, it's not, I guess he was talking about desire and, and uh, I don't know, what was it? Um, following the commands, obeying and desire, something like that. So, so you've got Isaac, who's a young child, and you know, the story goes of God and asked him to. Go sacrifice um, on the altar and, and, and uh, gets up there and then the, the ram is provided as a substitute at the end. But it's, it's like, well, what is God doing with that? I mean, we can sit back and look at it and go, well, that was very symbolic of Christ being the substitute for us. And it all that makes sense. And that's supported by other scriptures that discuss it later on. But if you look at from just trying to go back to that exact moment, that exact time, Abraham thinking of him not as a robot part of the story, but actually a human, and thinking of all the, the time. You know, these we read these things in the flash. We can read the story in five minutes, but there's a a lifetime of buildup in that guy's head. Right? So so it's complicated, isn't it, folks? And um, so in we listen, we listen to other people 
like this morning I'm listening to Pete Rollins he's kind of interesting he's Irish and I have a little bit of personal interest because I my family DNA has uh, Irish in it and I didn't really grow up with Irish family because my you know my dad was kind of like the last Irishman and even then I mean his mother was Danish so it's not like we had this strong kilt wearing um, whatever Irish people do wear the green and do all these Irish celebrations we weren't like that even though I was in Chicago and St. Patrick's Day and doing parades and stuff we never participated in any of that stuff but I know there's some DNA there I don't know it, I, you know some people can say well just get over it I mean you're American you've lived here now and you're a mutt you're a mixed breed and things but I think there is a strong DNA element and I, I'm I, I um, on a side note but it's related is I started listening to these uh, what they call UK and Irish Packer fans. So that's a football team. And for some reason, these people like my favorite team in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So they do a podcast, and I, I just enjoy the accident, accent and things. And I was actually interviewed on their podcast a year ago, and, and the Irish guy's like, and I sent some emails. He's like, dude, you definitely have some Irish background in you because you just gab. You know, you just, there's, it's the gift of gab, I guess they call it, right? Just talking. So, so yeah, so Pete Rollins, he, he does a lot of talking as well. <laughs> and, and he talks to himself, right? And he does it in front of people. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to win Pete Rollins' approval, but... You know, he should try, I don't know if he's done it, but pod, podcasting walks, right? I'm just walking the dog here, Pete. Walking the dog, Pete. His name's Buddy. He's a schnoodle, a black, black schnoodle, and he likes to walk. And so we do that, and uh, he's my companion for these talks. <laughs> so I have a descendant. And I, I think he's a joker. I can't, I, I mean, I asked these Irish guys last year, is there, is, is, according to the Census Bureau or whatever, or whatever data I could find, there was a Moses Ward in the family. That's who came over from Ireland in like 1848. And I'm thinking, Moses Ward, what kind of name is that, right? Did Irish people really call their children give them names like Moses I mean it's such a Jewish name right such a Jewish tradition so I'm either uh, an Irish Jew background or this guy I, I don't know I think it might be Mick he might be oh howdy Good morning. it might be Mick Ward you know he might be Mick Ward or Michael Ward but then when he got to Ellis Island or whatever he came to the U.S. I think he was a joker and just renamed himself Moses Ward. And uh, wow, there's a pool pump making some gross, no, grotesque noise in the background. It's like the pump just kicked in and was sucking air. Oh, the pool life in Arizona. Anyway, so Moses Ward. And uh, I got a name, I got a year but I still don't know 
much more about them. So maybe someday I'll go on a hunt, hunt out and say, all right, who knows where this Moses Ward was in 1848? He must have been, he probably was in his 20s or 30s, so he's probably born in the early 1800s somewhere. But I might be able to find it out because I don't think there was more than a couple hundred thousand, maybe a million people in Ireland. I mean, we think of world population now of 7 billion and climbing. And we, we know that like a lot of the podcast listeners are probably U.S.-centric, American-centric statistics. So we're like over 330 million people now in the U.S., but I, I did some checking just because I'm interested in stuff. In 1776, I think there were about 3 million people in the 13 colonies. 3 million. That's not very many people. So we've gone from 3 million to 330 um, in the last 200 years or so. And uh, I was wondering, like, well, how, how many Englishmen were there? And I, it turns out I think there's only like 5 million people in England. So I would assume there's got to be much less in Ireland. Probably like 1 million. So if that, right? So it's probably not that highly populated of a place. And, um, and then the French, that's what was amazing to me. There were 20 million Frenchmen at that time. So, you know, in American history, when we read about it, we think about, yeah, well, the French helped us a lot. You know, nowadays we think like, well, how did the French help us? We're we're a huge country. We're we're bigger than the French. We're more powerful than the French. Well, at the time, it wasn't that way. So, I mean, shoot, if we're 3 million people and they... France has 20 million. You get those guys on your side and you're going to take on the 5 million population English, you're in good shape. So yeah, that's a little history lesson for you. And uh, biology, life goes on. We uh, are procreating severely right now. Up to 7 billion people. (laughs) And we, we are creatures of love, as they say. So, I don't, you know, it is a mystery. Like, we, to me, like current 7 billion people is an interesting thought because it's like a hockey stick, they call it. Like, if you graph the world population, you know, start like an even 1,500. So just the last 500 years, it probably was, I don't know, was it 200 million maybe, let's say, the whole world at the time, 200 million? And it just hockey-sticked up in the last less than 100 years. It's just really hockey-sticked up. And it's also is a good lesson in frameworks, right? I've talked about frameworks before. So where are you going to draw the boundaries? Where are you going to look at it? It's like we, we focus in on, like, well, we have to deal with today's current reality. There are 7 billion people on the planet. And... Uh, and it's like, how did we get here? Well, you had to have six billion before you had seven billion, and you can go backwards. But it really wasn't that long ago when there weren't that many people. So it's like, what's happening? And and, and we, especially in churches, like you'll like I'll go listen to a sermon, whether it's on 
Sodom and Gomorrah or whether it's uh, Noah and the ark, the context is going to be like way back then there were probably only three million people on the planet or some tiny amount. And uh, we just have growth of souls, of human beings. We're people. So one thing I like about Pete Rollins and Rob Bell and others is they really elevate the, um, the humanness of people, the sacredness of people, and they get, they get trashed by religious organizations, of course, because a lot of people don't agree with their theology, especially like Rob Bell and stuff. Like he's got this book called Love Wins and people went ballistic because he kind of says uh, he thinks everybody's going to be okay in the end. And uh, and yet we know, or I know, I know that there's insti- religious institutions that just they can't deal with that. They, their whole structure is based around people going to hell, you know, and 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 that motivates a lot of them. Like, well, I have to get this message out that all these people are going to hell, and uh, if I don't live my life based on people going to hell, then what, what am I doing? You know, I mean, then the Great Commission, I got to get this. There's 6,000 unreached people groups in the world. Oh, my. You know, they take a snapshot of the 7 billion right now and analyze it. And that's why, for me personally, I'm not a, this is my thing, is the reading through Paul's letters. Because it's kind of, uh, it's sort of my compromise, I guess, in a way. I'm I'm saying, oh, well, you Christian religious organizations and seminaries teach all these people Hebrew and Greek and, you know, the Bible's inerrant and um, it's the inspired word of God. That's one of the core, core, um, I don't know if you want to call it doctrines, tenements, beliefs, systems of these organized religious people. And, and I'm, I guess I'm one of them in a way, but what I'm saying is I'll grant you that. Okay, let's go with that. I'll, I'll go with that. It's the inspired word of God. So let's look at it now, okay? We're going to look at, we're not going to just take your word for, for what it means or what interpretations or the emphasis. We're going to just say, okay, let's read it, folks. You guys are telling me this is the word of God and inspired. I'll go with it. And what I see is, is Paul not behaving anything like our current organized religion. And that's a problem for me. I'm like, well, Paul didn't emphasize that everybody's going to hell. He's just uh, telling the good news to Gentiles. It was new. It was a big thing. So I'm reading Acts. I'm in about chapter 6. And uh, five and six, five, I didn't really like the beginning. I talked about that a little bit with the selling of the property. And I do say that's the, it's not a direction or an advice to sell all your property and live in common because today's economics world is different. And I also don't think it was great back in the time because I've never heard anyone ask the question, 
okay, so all these people did that, but was that, was that descriptive of what they did or is that instructive? And I don't think it's instructive. I think it's just descriptive because I asked the question, well, they sold all their property and shared things in common, but 20 years later, Paul's taken up a collection for these folks. So maybe if they didn't sell all their property, they'd still have some and be able to run businesses and be self-supporting. So maybe they got off to a bad start by running off and being overly zealous, selling all their stuff. But more importantly, it was the second half of chapter five when the the guys, Peter and John, are basically sharing the, the good news and they, they, they're basically having to explain to Jewish people what uh, what just happened, right? Because it's just... It just happened the last couple months that they crucified Christ, which they didn't want to happen. They they thought that's like that's impossible. They followed this guy for three years. They believed his teaching. He was they were convinced he was Messiah, and but they were not expecting uh, a crucifixion out of it. They definitely weren't expecting that and we all know I mean most of us listening to my podcast we know the story we know this story we've heard it especially if we're American we've heard this so this is not new what I'm just saying is let's slow down a bit let's look at it in the timing let's not just gloss over the the scriptures let's look at it so Acts 5 they're they're actually going to the temple teaching Jews Hey guys, this is Jesus. We crucified him. In fact, well, it says you crucified him, and and I guess Peter's entitled to say that because that's not what it wasn't wasn't his desire to crucify Christ. So he's he's shouting out, "You crucified Christ, and you did this," you know, plural. And the religious leaders of the time, who love their power and believe what they believe, and they've they're. They're not used to change, right? I mean, they've had hundreds of years, like maybe they're, maybe they're family, Levites and so forth. They've been in the, the priesthood and doing that for years. So um, Peter is preaching change, a new thing. And uh, that doesn't sit well with the people that are, are uh, used to a certain way. And doing things a certain way, and are invested in in uh, the way things are, the status quo, so to speak. And um, I mean, I guess it could make some similarities to 2018 and the organized religions of, especially the U.S. of A. That uh, yeah, this is a power structure. Why why question the power structure? This is this is where I make my living. You know, this is make my living off of this or this structure so very similar to the Jews and and uh, Acts chapter 5 and they want they want Peter and John to stop and the disciples to stop teaching these things and and they even um, commented that well we don't we didn't we don't like you preaching that we killed this guy Jesus right so they're kind of stuck on. They don't fully understand that the dude's resurrected. They feel um, 
guilty, I suppose, that they did have some responsibility for crucifying Christ. And they don't really believe that he was resurrected by God. So, yeah, they're worried maybe that they would have to face some kind of legal riot or even the people, right? So if Peter and John are getting these people all riled up, maybe they're afraid that they'll turn on the Jewish people and say, well, you killed Jesus. Well, there's that shouldn't happen because Christ was resurrected. So he's not dead. So there's no body, right? So from an American legal system, we'd say, well, there's no body. So there's no crime. So that's kind of, kind of a weird way of looking at it. But the Jewish people probably felt guilty because they didn't believe in the resurrection, right? So there's kind of an interesting thought, thought exercise there. But, you know, they kept telling them not to, not to uh, teach about Jesus anymore. And um, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill that. I mean, this is a point where, all right, we got to kill Peter and John, these guys, because they're turning the people against him, their fellow Jews. So it's just an uncertain time, right? So in the last two, three months, Christ has been crucified during Passover. He had the Pentecost and some weird thing happens during that ceremony. So their whole religious order is being challenged. And they don't like it. So they're ready to kill Peter and John and just like, let's stomp this out. And there's a Gamma Meal, Gamiel. I can't figure out how to pronounce it. I think it's Gamiel, one of the older, wiser priests or uh, leaders in this organization commented like, well, hey guys, hold on. Let's not, let's not kill these guys because we've seen recently like three, he gave three examples of movements of, that they had concern about. And he lists out these three, two or three of these movements, religious movements that challenged the uh, predominant Jewish religious order. And uh, he's like, hey, hold off. If it's, if it's of God, it'll last. If it's not, it's just going to be like these other two or three movements that just died out. So he spoke wisdom into these guys, like not to, not to kill Peter and John. They did kill James, I think, eventually. But, or maybe they already killed James. I can't remember. But, but they just, you know, the Gamil was saying, hey, don't, let's not do this. Let's. There's some element in the Jewish faith that respects life, right? So that that wisdom prevailed. Of course, it does so they flog them, right? So it's like, okay, we won't kill them, but we're gonna we're gonna whip them, all right? <laughs> so don't don't do the teaching anymore. And so the people went away. They got flogged, like feeling the joy, like, hey, we just got whipped because we're teaching about Christ, and that's that brought uh, joy to their life why not i guess you know they're that's that walking in the spirit being close to god that relationship they had the the great relationship going which we all need and we can learn to grow in that so they they go out and they're going to continue to do what they do and now we've got um, Stephen. they're like well we need to it's expand the administrative office 
and Steven is one of like seven or so guys selected to um, minister to others and he's a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit so again I um, I would say how filled are we with the Holy Spirit I mean is it something that we can choose to do and I, I think there is because I, later on Paul talks about you can choose to walk in the flesh or the spirit so Stephen's at this time in the spirit and uh, chapter 6 lays the foundation for the continued attack by the Jewish people on this growing movement of faith that uh, happens so fascinating and um, later on we learn that Gamil was the teacher of Saul who became Paul so Paul had some uh, wisdom early on he did he was taught very well in the Jewish faith so it's connected and this is how I like to read the scriptures this is what I call teaching myself or feeding myself because we've all we can we can especially nowadays with the internet you can go find like awesome preachers anywhere and they stand up on beautiful stages with beautiful lighting with beautiful music and they have the attention of thousands of people in a big building church and you can get encouraged by that and a lot of good stuff comes out of those and it's nice you can tune in to a lot of things and uh, and when we're younger in our 20s and 30s we probably are like oh man I think that person's such a great teacher and and uh, man I gotta listen to them and I'm gonna tune in next week or I'm gonna go back in the archives and listen to more messages and and yet my encouragement to the podcast listener is get a routine going I I'm a firm believer in following Acts and then reading Paul's letters roughly in chronological order making observations thinking about the power of God and the Holy Spirit because that's a message that's not preached often and uh, you know the wise or good teachers may articulate good thoughts for us to remember but it's as I've been tweeting lately I've been saying well hey that's a great thought John Piper or great thought John Houston but how do I do that in a daily basis you know I don't I don't want to re read a tweet of encouragement on Sunday and then have to go back and get another tweet on every day or every hour it's like isn't there isn't the teaching that we can have a relationship with God ourselves that's unique to us because God made us and gifted us a certain way and there's so much teaching that oh yeah when we're when we're living out of our gifts when we're an outlier whatever God's gifted you and you're an outlier and when you're doing that that's who God made us to be whatever that is it could be playing baseball hockey being a movie star 
and we seek satisfaction. I mean, first, we more than likely like finding out what are we gifted at, and then um, maybe we find some kind of value from it and receive um, others' praise or even monetary payment for our gifts, which is great. You know, we, that's uh, exchanging our value and what we have to give um, and sharing it with others. So that's the, the depths. I mean, we, we, we are the Imago Dei, they call it, Imago Dei, the image of God. So we do all have gifts. Everyone's gifted somehow. And celebrating that and working with God. And that's the key is daily being connected with God and walking in that spirit every moment, celebrating, having the confidence. To me, you know, I struggle with confidence. And we all probably do. We all have that distribution curve, right? So for me, the distribution curve helps because I grew up, for whatever reason, with black and white. It's like all or nothing. And uh, over 50 years, I've finally reached the point of distribution curves that, yeah, I have a level of confidence. And I don't, I don't realize, this sounds so funny, but I'm six foot five, but I probably didn't realize how tall I was until a couple of years ago. And, when, and that's goofy, because it's like, what does that mean, how tall you are, right? And because I'm 220 pounds and 6'5", not because I'm a NFL quarterback or anything, but I don't, it's not, I don't weigh 220 or 240 because I work out like a fiend or anything. Most of that's fat. <laughs> so, but the point is I'm kind of a big guy, so I don't realize in the presence of others. So if when I, you know, I guess I make some kind of impression on people, right? I don't, everybody's a little bit shorter than I am for the most part. So I did check on the internet that I'm in the top half a percentile. So that means out of 200 men, I'm probably gonna be the tallest guy. So whatever that means. And uh, so, but it's only the last, I'm an outlier, I guess you'd say. That, that's pretty close to an outlier. Maybe 6'10 is the outlier, but statistically. But 6'5 is pretty close out on the wing, out on the distribution curve. So confidence, yeah. I don't have zero confidence. I have some level of confidence, but I don't have outlier confidence. Outlier positive confidence. But with the Holy Spirit and walking and having a relationship with God, I can uh, move on the curve. You know, I can move up a little bit if it's important, right? And then that's, it may not, it may not be important for me to have a high level of confidence for whatever I'm called to do, right? So, and calling, right? That's, that's an interesting concept, right? So, what are we called to do? And, we each have an individual one. Hi. Hi. So, there we are. Back.
Buddy's had his walk. Yeah, okay, I got it. And I got that table. Okay. All right, so it's Sunday morning. I'm going to throw this out. So I'm already being tasked to do stuff, which is not the most peaceful way to to go. But we got Mar Mary and Martha's around, right? And that's a reference to work, work, work. So Oma, my wife's mother, is just work, work, work. She's definitely a uh, Martha person and not a Mary think, philosophize person. And that's okay. Again, distribution curve. We're, uh, it's not right or wrong. It's just a different distribution. So there's a, a real life podcast. You don't get that on a, a podcast where someone's in a studio scripted, right? You don't get interruptions by other dog walkers and family members. And hey, bud, come here. I mean, I guess I can control that. You got to go this way, bud. Come around the other way. Come here. I gotta, if I'm, if I'm going to wipe your feet, i got to have you over here, bud. Come here. All right? Then you can go be free. Right now you got wet feet, and we don't, want, we don't want your wet paws running through the house. So we're going to dry those off. And I guess I have to give you a bath today, too, which you don't really like. And, oh, we should do drops for your eyes, too. we got to do that. And, uh... Yeah, Bud went to the vet yesterday, so we got to take care of his eyes, and hopefully his valley fever's gone. But he's pretty chipper. So there's your Sunday morning, Arizona, September 2nd. A bit warm podcast with a Labor Day Monday off. And... Uh, still dusty in the sky even though it's straight up blue so let's see what we do 42 minutes so well, there's a shorter podcast so everybody have a wonderful day and uh, I enjoyed talking to myself I guess that's the theme is I'm speaking to myself folks and you're welcome to go on the ride with me on the journey <laughs> there you go so have a great, uh, great day or whatever you're doing when you're listening to this. Talk to you later. Bye.